Well, hello Common Ground Constantia Berg. So good to be with you this morning. I've been waiting for this moment for so many weeks now. Just so you know, the rest of the city will be hearing from Paul and Leanne Mond, but I've made a, a special plan to get to open God's word for us this morning. Um, you may notice a slight dip in quality, hopefully not the preaching, but uh, in the video quality, we're uh, minimizing the work that needs to be done behind the scenes, so we won't be overlaying slides. I'm going to be changing my own PowerPoint, but better that than not being with you at all. And on that note, I'm so grateful for, to Derek Broom for lending me some equipment and making this possible. Thanks, man. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Donovan, married to Heidi. Uh, this is the picture from last week as we led the meeting. We've got two gorgeous little girls, uh, Rachel and Rebecca, and uh, they're three and five. And I'm so uh, grateful to God for such a, a wonderful family. And let me just give Heidi a big shout out for last week. She stepped way out of her comfort zone in getting up in front of the screen and she did such a good job. So well done, Hides. So proud of you. Like you, we're feeling the effects of lockdown. I mean, we have good days, we have bad days, uh, we have okay days. There's plenty of days where we're happy to just put our head on the pillow and go to sleep and start again the next day. Before I get into today's message, I want to just put on a shepherding hat for a moment. Maybe speak a bit vulnerably, maybe talk to you a little bit about what's happening in me the reality is it's not just COVID that's impacting our lives at the moment. There's a lot happening in the world. We've seen the, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, picking up in the States. And that, of course, is having an impact on us as a nation. And many South Africans um, feeling that exposed tender nerve of racism, of institutional racism, of hurt and pain that they have experienced and are still experiencing in many ways. We also heard about the, the absolutely sickening murder of eight months uh, pregnant Chegofatsu Pule, uh, who was found stabbed and hanging from a tree uh, just earlier this week. And the scourge of gender-based violence and, and femicide that haunts this nation. And so I wanted to just take a moment to acknowledge the pain. I wanted to take a, a moment to acknowledge the injustices that we find around us as a nation, and for us to just sit in that pain for a moment. I know as people, we're coming from different places. We've got our own experiences. We've got our own stories, narratives, thoughts, opinions, and the issues are extremely complex. We know that. And I don't have the answers right now. I don't have all the next steps right now, but for now, what I want to do is, is acknowledge the pain. I want to acknowledge the injustices that we find around us. As I've been processing what's happening and I've had some discussion with my friends in the eldership team, I want to share maybe just two pieces of wisdom that I found helpful for myself in this season. First, I want to encourage a posture of prayerfulness and reflection. I think that's been important for me. We need to lament. Rigby did a fantastic teaching on lamenting about four or five weeks ago. I want to encourage you, if you missed that, if you've forgotten about it, go back, give it a listen. Uh, this practice of lamenting will serve us so well in these moments. 
for many of us, I think an appropriate action for us is to, is to listen, is to learn, is to read, to gain understanding. PJ, who, who is now in the States, who gives leadership to our advanced movement that we're part of across the world, he uh, shared this the other day. He shared Romans twelve fifteen. It says, weep with those who weep. It doesn't say justify why you aren't weeping or correct those who are weeping. Now we have to weep with those who weep. And in order to do that, he wrote, to weep with, we need to feel the pain. To feel the pain, we need to understand. To understand, we need to be informed. To be informed, we need to listen, read, watch, learn, and fast. And with this prayerfulness, there's, there's kind of two prayers that I'm particularly leaning into at the moment. The one comes out of Psalm 139. It says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this posture of humility. And the second prayer that I'll be speaking about in the message today is, is to pray the prayer the Lord taught us. God, may your kingdom come in me as it is in heaven. And I found as I pray these prayers, I find my empathy growing. I find my peace growing. I find my hope surging. Secondly, what I want to do in these moments is just to encourage some awareness and sensitivity around the use of social media in moments like this. One of my big concerns for us as Christ followers, is that we're allowing social media to form and shape the people that we're becoming maybe a little more than we realize. Remember, when it comes to social media, you're the product. You don't use social media, it's using you. I hope you're aware that often your news feed, articles that you come across, there's an algorithm that often reinforces the beliefs, the understandings, the opinions that you've already shared. And uh, my concern for us is if we give ourselves too much uh, to what we're finding on our media pages, that we're going to allow an algorithm to shape us more than we're allowing God's word to shape us. Now, when you're using social media, just an awareness around polarization. I mean, it's just so easy to, to find yourself polarized with other people, with other opinions. It makes it really difficult sometimes for us to hear each other, to see the bigger issues, uh, to find each other's hearts. So just an awareness of that. I think by all means, it's, it's amazing for us to watch some clips, to hear some stories, to gain understanding and knowledge. But uh, maybe a caution around entering into the comments too deeply. Uh, it can be really unhelpful. It can be really divisive. The more they go on, the deeper they go. It might be good just to step back, take the learning, take the reflection, pray the prayer and walk away. And then lastly, I think it's good for us to consider putting up a mirror when we're posting or making comments. Uh, how would we feel if someone wrote this to us or about us? How would we feel if someone posted this to, to me or, or about me? And I think it's good for us to ask, you know, is this... Is this kind? Is this lovely? Is this honorable? Is this right? Is this true? And if we use those lenses, I think it'll help us as we interact on social media. Okay, I've said a lot and I still want to get into the message for today. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think it speaks into some of these issues and God's really got something for us. So let me get into that. 
We're midway uh, through our series on uh, Mark. Uh, We're looking at the first eight chapters of Mark. Louise did such a fantastic job last week uh, making her way through the parable of the sower. And the book of Mark records a lot of the supernatural aspects of Jesus' life and ministry. But here in chapter 4, we find this intensive teaching chapter where Jesus uses parables to teach his followers. Now, remember the idea of a parable, as Louise explained, it's, it's putting out two ideas using the one idea that people grasp to help people understand and grasp, grasp an idea that they don't yet understand or haven't yet wrapped their heads around. And so as Jesus tells these parables, he's inviting his listeners then and he's inviting us now to, to think, to engage, to reflect, to try and understand the depths of what Jesus is communicating. If all you heard was the parable of the sower, you would be in danger of thinking and maybe terrified of thinking that the coming of the kingdom of God, it's all up to us. I mean, that thought terrifies me. I know myself. I know the the darkness that sometimes lives within me. Sometimes I look around at the world. I think about what's happening in the world. And I think, man, if, if the kingdom of God was all up to us, well, let's just say I wouldn't bet my house on it. We're in we're in trouble. So Jesus, he, he continues this teaching, expanding on the parable of the sower. And as he does it, he, he repeats this same phrase over and over again. He says, if you have ears, really hear me. Pay attention to what you hear. Listen in. Really apply what you hear. Take what I'm saying seriously. In fact, in, in just Mark chapter 4, 10 times he says that phrase or, or, or something along those lines. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why would Jesus say that so many times? I mean, what is it about these followers, these disciples that are just keep missing the truths that Jesus is communicating? And honestly, you've got to ask yourself, would it be true of us today? Would we also be on the receiving end of Jesus' words? Listen up, pay attention, hear my words. No, no, really hear them. Put them into practice. Let them form you. I mean, are we any better at paying attention than the early disciples? I'm not so sure. I think we live in a world that has far greater complexity, far greater distraction. And studies are showing our attention spans are decreasing, not increasing. So let's be those that lean in today. Maybe you want to quickly pause, go grab a notebook and a pen or a device that you can take notes on. I don't think you should write down everything you're hearing, but maybe, maybe highlight the things that God's impressing on your heart, and maybe a next step, or, or something God wants to, wants to do a deeper work on, and, and make a record of it. Let's lean in to God's Word this morning. So where we're going, here's a quick blueprint. I want to share the big idea of these three parables we're looking at today. And then we're going to make our way through each one of those parables. And I want to make some comments and some application as we go. And then we've got a a really great landing in store. Let me pray for us. God, as we open up your word, pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would give us ears to hear, ears to understand and perceive. We pray that you give us hearts that are ready to respond. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here's the big idea that I want to share with us this morning. God is growing his kingdom. That's the takeaway 
I have when I, when I read these three parables. You see, one of the challenges Jesus is facing with his disciples is helping them to understand why his movement and audience seems so small in comparison with the massive and great claims Jesus makes about himself. I mean, in Mark 1, he, he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. I mean, since then, Jesus has performed some miracles and healings, yet he's still very much on the periphery. I mean, why? By the time we get to Mark 4, you know, Jesus has had some more success, uh, but actually there's very little impact or influence. If you think about the vastness and the power of the Roman Empire and the influence of synagogue leaders. And so Jesus' followers are struggling to, to maybe understand the dynamic that's happening here. They're missing some truths of God's kingdom. And so Jesus needs to teach them. I think we've got to ask ourselves, why are they missing it? Why were they, they missing some of these deeper truths? I think, one, maybe they were underwhelmed. You know, it's been 400 years by the time Jesus comes that, that Israel had, hadn't heard from God. They've been longing for this Messiah. They've been waiting for someone who would deliver them, who would set them free, who would restore and redeem them as the people of God. And maybe as Jesus came, they were underwhelmed at what they expected. Maybe, maybe their expectations had got the better of them. They couldn't grasp the, the paradigm that Jesus was coming from. They, they had their thoughts and their, and their minds set on a certain thing. And when it didn't look like that, they were struggling to understand the kingdom of God. Maybe their disappointments, their hurts, the trouble they had, had experienced under Roman occupation and rule had dulled their ears to the truth of God's word. Well, in each of these parables, Jesus teaches us something about God's activity in bringing the kingdom in the world. So let's make our way through them. Firstly, we learn that Jesus is revealing God's kingdom. And we're looking at the parable of a lamp on a stand. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So firstly, what does he mean by God's kingdom? Well, this is God's rulership. This is God's reign. It's what life looks like when Jesus is Lord. And God's kingdom is partially within us as we surrender and align our lives to his rulership, his lordship of our lives. But the kingdom of God is also all around us where Jesus's ways are followed and acknowledged and his rulership is surrendered to. And Jesus wants his followers to perceive that the kingdom of God will not and cannot remain hidden for much longer. And that's why Jesus tells them the parable of the lamp. We know Jesus is the light of the world and his kingdom is a kingdom of light. Psalm 139 says, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you as a lamp is made to, to be on a stand. So Jesus will not be concealed for much longer. Who he really is, what he's really come to do, will become widely known and see it, seen. It, it cannot be suppressed, hidden, or concealed. Jesus is bringing the reality of heaven to earth. 
He's revealing to his followers what already is. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. God's kingdom is being revealed for what it is. We don't define it. We as people don't craft it. We can't make it fit our mold or our expectation. The truth is what has previously been unknown to us and hidden from us is now being revealed. The time has come for the light of God's kingdom to shine in a darkened and troubled world. It's something God's doing. It cannot be stopped. And Jesus is saying to them, consider carefully what I'm telling you right now. Now, like his disciples, I think we can sometimes miss these truths. Maybe our expectations of what God's kingdom should be like makes it hard for us to hear these truths that Jesus is giving us. Maybe our expectation is some kind of prosperity or ease or a lack of trouble or hardship or suffering or relational tension. And maybe as our, our expectations aren't met, we, we kind of dull our hearing. Maybe disappointments over hopes we've had have caused us to, to not hear the bigger truths of what God's doing in the world. We, we can sometimes feel like God needs to act on something now, that God needs to, to deliver us now. And if we, if, we, if we don't have those needs met, we're just not as open anymore to the truths of God's word. So Jesus encourages us, as he encourages them, listen carefully to what I'm saying. And as he says it, he's saying, he's saying to them, he's saying to us, it's listening with a readiness to act, with a readiness to do something about what we're hearing. Okay, so what are some of the other applications for us, some of the other next steps? Well, firstly, I want to encourage us that we can know the king and his kingdom. And here's why this is so important. This parable actually teaches us that the more we perceive, the more we grasp, the more we understand about God's kingdom, the more revelation we'll receive, the more truth we'll receive. But the inverse is also true. It seems to say that when we lose ground in our spiritual perception, that we may even start to lose some of the knowledge and some of the understanding, some of the life that we once experienced. This means that there is an appropriate response for us. As Christ followers, we need to receive God's kingdom as it comes to us through God's word. We surrender to it. We align with it. We can't form it. We can't shape it. I'm telling you, this, this gives me courage as a leader in uncertain times. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I don't know what the next step is. Sometimes I'm not sure what God's will is. I don't see how things are going to change or how we're going to be transformed. But what I do know is that what's, what's hidden and what's concealed and what God purposes for us is being revealed. And so I can seek. I can knock. I can go to God in prayer, expecting him to reveal these hidden things to me. I also want to say to us, consider how you listen. Consider how you listen. I've alluded quite a bit to this, but I'm aware that for us, sometimes we can mistake knowledge for perception and maturity, and they're really not the same thing. The way we, we listen in church, the way we listen in life groups, the way you engage in Bible reading or, or reading books, 
we need to really be thoughtful around how we're doing that. I mean, is it leading to perception? Is it leading to growth? Is it leading to Christ-likeness? Are we being transformed? Are we listening with surrendered, humble, and trusting hearts? Jesus was concerned for his followers. Yes, they were hearing him, but were they really listening? John Ortberg, he puts it like this. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Okay, let's move on to the second parable. The lesson we're learning here is that God is maturing his kingdom. It's the parable of the growing seed. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the kernel uh, in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. God is maturing his kingdom day and night, whether we're sleeping or awake, whether we're aware of it or not. And I'm using the word maturing intentionally instead of the word growing. You see, this description of wheat growing, you know, first the stalk, then the head, then the kernel, it, it's, it's more than something small just growing big. It, it's about something being transformed. It's about something being matured. It's about something being added to. And then ultimately, it'll be ready for its use. It'll be cut down and used as food, which is what its purpose is is. And I absolutely love this because God isn't just growing his kingdom because. No, no. He's growing his kingdom for usefulness, for purpose. He's forming us and maturing us so that we can do what God created us to do. It's not like the grass at my house during lockdown that just grows because. I actually burnt out my lawnmower uh, trying to cut the lawn the first time it had grown so long. So just a note for you, make sure you use the highest level and work your way down with your lawnmower. Okay, no, no, no. God is maturing his kingdom with purpose in mind. And, and it's amazing. God's kingdom doesn't owe its growth to human origin, to human effort or human invention. Rather, it's the very hand of God at work in our lives, at work in the world that's bringing maturity. It's fundamentally supernatural. It's out of our control. Yeah, yeah, we make space for God. We align with God. We cooperate with God, with what God's doing in our lives and around us. But it's only God who can transform and redeem the human heart. Amazing. God is bringing his kingdom to maturity. I mean, that means in me, he's bringing me to maturity. That means in our local church, he's bringing our church to maturity. But also the church around the world, capital C, God is at work maturing his church, bringing his kingdom to earth. You know, sometimes it's easy for us in our day and age to look around and, and forget that. Uh, in our day, the church is so predominant in South Africa. It's, it's fairly normal. There's so many but also sometimes we can look around and we can look at the state of the world. We look at the injustice. We look at the difficulties. And we can forget that God's kingdom is actually at work. You know, on the surface, it can look like nothing's happening. But we need to know God is at work. Underneath the surface, that seed is sending down its roots. That it's starting to sprout. 
that it will break through that soil, that it will, it will give uh, life to that stalk, that will form that head, that will form that kernel, that will be a source of nourishment for the world around us. You know, we can think that, that lockdown, some of the kingdom of God has been locked down with us. You know, our movement's been restricted. Our freedoms have been tied up and restrained. But no, no, the kingdom of God can never be restrained. It's maturing is something God is doing and it cannot be stopped. You know, maybe it's true that God is maturing his kingdom, not despite the lockdown, but actually because of it. He's using some of what we're experiencing to bring us and our church and his church into greater maturity. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always forming us. And I've had conversations with people. I can with confidence say that God is at work in people's lives. I found it amazing to see how Constantinburg as a church, how it seems that even though we're further apart, that God's forming a, a beautiful community and a family seeing people rallying around those in need, rallying around those who've maybe lost jobs or experiencing hopelessness or loneliness. It's just been fantastic to see how even in in my smaller community of the eldership team, how we've deepened our relationships, deepened our friendship, actually had some more meaningful conversations in this time. It's been amazing to see the increased awareness across the church of, of the reality of the injustices of South Africa of the vast differences of opportunities to education, uh, what it means to be locked down in a home, you know, access to, to a dry uh, a room, brick walls, solid roof. And we're realizing that, that something's wrong in our country, that things are broken. In many cases, God is vaporizing the illusion of self-control that many of us have had over our lives, that somehow we're in control, that we can make things happen. No, no, no. We're learning to freshly surrender and understand that it takes a lot less than we think to live a full and godly life for God's glory. There's comfort here for us. Comfort for us, Constantinburg. Life is not on hold. God is bringing the citizens of his kingdom to maturity. That's you and I. God is stirring our transformation. My hope is that I can hear. My hope is that we can hear and recognize what God is doing, what he's stirring, what he's pointing out to us. I wonder what he's been doing in your life during this pandemic. Are you growing in your trust levels of God? Are you understanding that your illusion of self-control is just that, an illusion, and that actually we need greater trust and dependency on God and each other? Maybe you're becoming a more compassionate person? Are you beginning to listen to and understand and comprehend the people's pain around you? So a couple of other applications and thoughts for us. I want to say to us as Christ followers that we must continue to scatter the seed of God's word, continue to proclaim the gospel, continue to point people to Jesus because as we sow those seeds, God will make those seeds grow. I also want to encourage us to pray. I know I mentioned this early on. I think we need to remember the way God taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've been reading through Thessalonians in my quiet times. And earlier this week, I came across this text. It says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. I mean, it's just a beautiful text. It reminds us that 
God is the one at work in our lives, but that we're to continually pray and ask God to do what he's already doing, to bring to fruition our our good desires, our good works that are prompted by faith and, and our belief in him. And so we pray. We pray for ourselves. We pray for others. We pray for God to bring the citizens of his kingdom to maturity. Maybe you're despairing right now. Maybe you're under severe pressure, uncertain about the future. Maybe you you don't know what tomorrow holds. You're tired, you're hurting. Maybe you're feeling offended or unheard, disregarded or discarded. I want to say to you, pray for yourself. Pray for your friends. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who don't yet understand. And ask God to give both them and you empathy, understanding and compassion. Remember, this isn't all up to us. This isn't all dependent on on what we can do and what we see happening around us. No, no, no. God is at work. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives, in the life of the church, in in the life of nations. And we can trust and confidently expect God to answer these prayers because he's the one who's asked us to pray them. And then lastly, on this point, I want to just say, remember that it's a process. We mature over time. We mature through seasons, not all at once. First there's the seed, then the stalk, then the head, then the kernel. And growth is not something the sower can make happen. It's not in our hands. You know, we can be impatient to act and to see action, but we need to learn to be patient in in seeing outcomes because it's God who causes those seeds to grow. We have to learn to wait on God's timing, to not be impatient or premature in our actions or expectations. Now, I'm, I'm going to stand on a little bit of what I think might be shaky ground at the moment, and I just want to share vulnerable, vulnerably about something God's doing in my life as He acts to mature me. I was recently at the World Cup, a fantastic treat from my father-in-law, and I remember as we won and as we were celebrating, not only the final but other games, I noticed that with all the, the amazing transformation and diversity in the team, that, that often the black players would gather together and they would dance and sing. And I remember thinking to myself uh, quite a few times, wow, that's, that's quite excluding. You know, none of the white players can join in. They probably don't know the language or the songs. And uh, it, it was kind of, and in a moment, God dropped it into my heart. And he said, that's what every non-white person feels like when they come into your predominantly white space where your values and your culture and your habits and what's normal for you isn't normal for others and we can be exclusive without ever meaning it or intending it and I wasn't looking for for this revelation I wasn't trying to grow as a person it was just God acting graciously towards me giving me just a slight feeling I mean I had known this truth intellectually I had thought I had understood it, but, but for the first time I had, had just felt it for a moment. And God had opened my eyes. This is God maturing us. This is God at work despite ourselves. And so there's hope for us. There's hope for our nation. There's hope for our country. There's hope for our church. And I'm excited for what God's doing. And I'm praying for more and more moments like this for people, for our church, for our nation. I love it when God interrupts our lives just like that. I'm believing God for these revelations for you. 
Some of you might be tired of waiting for these revelations, tired of people waking up to truths that you know about. You might be fearful, you might be angry. Uh, some, some of us are frightfully unaware or uninformed about some of the bigger issues facing our country today. Well, my prayer is, and will you join me in praying, that God's kingdom would come, that he would bring us to maturity. We need to ask God. We need to welcome him. And, and it's not only about racism. It's not only about prejudice. It's about every aspect of life. It's about every aspect of the kingdom of God. We want to become mature people. So through this pandemic, I know God's been at work in your life. God's been pulling you and urging you and interrupting you towards maturity. Are you receiving it? Are you aware of it? Are you listening for it? Are you ready to act on it? Okay, let me quickly move on to our third point. It's this, God's kingdom will have growing influence. And I'll, I'll go through this one fairly quickly. Here we go. It's the parable of the mustard seed. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke uh, the word to them and as, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. I think it's good for us to see that God doesn't mind starting off small. I mean, the mustard seed was the proverbial description of smallness back in the day. I mean, think about it. God chose to usher in his rule by sending the king of his great kingdom in the form of a baby born in a stable to a nobody family in a nowhere town. I mean, from our vantage point, we can see exactly what became of all this. The disciples probably could never have imagined it. From this one man, incredible things have happened and continue to happen. He gathered 12 men around him who became ambassadors of this great kingdom. And now we know millennia later, there are over 2 billion people on the earth. That's thousands of millions of people that claim allegiance to Christ. This small seed has become the greatest of trees. It's easy for us to forget about this growing impact and dominion of the kingdom of God in our world. Think about all the churches around the world, all the nations that are, that are singing the blessing over their nations, over the world in this time of coronavirus. Uh, coronavirus. I encourage you to go, just YouTube it. You'll find videos from Malaysia, Canada, Australia, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Singapore, 772 singers from 177 churches. You've got 25 churches in Hawaii. You've got Sweden. You've got 65 uh, churches from the UK. The list goes on and on. I mean, do you think the disciples could ever have imagined that moment, that number of nations, that number of churches, that many people worshiping, glorifying, and trusting God? This mustard seed is growing. The kingdom of God is advancing. And what is the trajectory of this kingdom? We know it started small. We know that Jesus brought the kingdom. We know we live in a time uh, that the kingdom has come, but it hasn't yet fully come. And so we live in the in-between age. But, but where is this thing all heading? Well, Revelation 21, it says it's so beautiful. And I've, I've read this before. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This is what we have to look forward to. Like the disciples, we might struggle to grasp these truths because we don't necessarily see the impact that we're hoping for, that we're working towards, or that we're trusting God for. Perhaps the struggles we're experiencing, the pain we're experiencing, the frustrations we're experiencing keep us from seeing what God is ultimately doing in the world and will ultimately do. We might doubt the king and doubt the kingdom. But when you find yourself overwhelmed with sorrow, maybe due to COVID-19 or from reading about the evil and injustices in the world or facing the devastation and and the pain of racism and, and racial prejudice, it's good for us to know that God's agenda is to eradicate all evil and swallow up all darkness in his brilliant kingdom of light. God's agenda is to uplift the downtrodden, to heal the sick and the broken, and to restore all things to himself. There's hope for us. There's expectation for us. God is at work. So I want to say to us, don't despise small beginnings. Trust God. Don't despise small acts of service and kindness done in worship of God and for God's glory. You might start to hear the rain coming down. It's Thursday morning and boy, oh boy, is it raining. You know, sometimes we tend to to overrate and celebrate the more public gifts. But I want to say every, every gift, every service is precious. Your faithfulness can become a refuge for others. These are the birds of the air that are around our lives. It's, it's our family. It's our church. It's people we work with. It's, it's our sports teams. It's our neighbors. It's our acquaintances. Our faithfulness can have a disproportionately positive, God-glorifying impact on others. Okay, it's time for me to, to wrap up. God is growing his kingdom. That's the big idea I want to walk, uh, us to walk away with today. He's, Jesus is revealing God's kingdom. God, uh, God is maturing his kingdom. God's kingdom will have growing influence in the world. And my prayer is that he will continue to open our hearts to hear his teaching, to understand and to act. That he will cause us to align our lives with his as he matures us, as he expands his reign and his rule. My prayer is that we will freshly in our circumstances come to God with fresh hope, fresh expectation of what he's doing in us. God is at work in the world. God is at work in us and it cannot be stopped. In a moment, I want to pray for us. Then we're going to close out with the song Amazing Grace sung by 50 different nations and languages. Could you imagine the early disciples seeing this or watching this, all these nations, all these languages singing and glorifying God? Jesus is the king and his kingdom stretches time, boundaries, borders, and nations. So let's continue to pray 
God, may your kingdom come in me as it is in heaven. God, may your kingdom come in Cape Town. God, may your kingdom come in South Africa and in the world as it is in heaven. It may seem like a small prayer, but it's the exact prayer God loves to answer. And so God, we, we pray that you would have your way in us. God, we pray that your kingdom would come in our lives. God, I pray as we've listened, as we've heard your word, God, that you would awaken us, that you would illuminate to us how you've been at work in our lives, how you've been stirring us, shaking us, forming us, growing us, challenging us. God, we want to be formed by you, formed by your word. We want to become those mature Christ followers that are, are useful to you. God, we, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.